Hello, and welcome to Your Living Autopsy, a podcast dedicated to helping you dig in and unpack what's going on within so you can live your very best life. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, and welcome back to Your Living Autopsy. Last week, we went over what you have and how you feel about it. We looked at your age via your driver's license or ID, the money and cards in your wallet, the keys you have on your key ring for your house, your vehicle, and then we talked about any toys you have. You had the opportunity to sit with all the things or things you don't have but want and how that made you feel. And you got to see what came up for you around all of this. Again, I don't know how you felt about that process, but hopefully you gained some insight. This week, we aren't going to examine anything around you. We're going straight to you. It is time to look at your body. Just like last week when I said we are told not to be materialistic or build our internal worth on what we have, we are also told how to feel about our bodies. This alone makes me laugh, but not because it's necessarily funny. We all have a body, a body that is only ours, not replicable in the slightest. And yet we are told how to look at it, how to feel about it, how to fix it, how to dress it, how to use it. And then we in turn create our own stories about how we feel about it, how we want to fix it, how we should or shouldn't use it, how we can control it. It's a vicious cycle and not one that is rarely satisfied. At the very start of this podcast, like the first episode, I likened us to the very suitcases that carry around all the ups, all the downs, and all the in-betweens we've picked up over the courses of our lives. But what about the suitcase itself? In an actual autopsy, a medical examiner looks at the body as a whole before opening it up. So in this episode, we're going to do the same thing. If you're close to a mirror, fantastic. If not, it's fine. I'm sure you've been near one recently enough and can remember what you look like. And per usual, grab your notes. It's pretty normal to have immediate feelings about your body. I am having them right now as I say this. What are your thoughts? When I said your body, what was the first thing that popped into your mind? Write it down. For me, I'll be honest with you, my first thoughts were not that good. I haven't always struggled with my body. In fact, most of my life, it really wasn't that much of a thought. I mean, I had my wish list and my problem areas, my extremely short torso and absolutely zero curves. But usually it wasn't a thing because I was active and I had a fast metabolism. Unless you count when I was about eight, I've never been what you would consider technically skinny. I was a dancer, gymnast, cheerleader, and so athletic. 
and I had developed abs in my eighth grade year, which now it sounds really cool in theory, but eighth grade can be pretty brutal. If you look different at all, someone's going to tell you about it. So while I didn't develop, develop, and still haven't, my differences were brought up to me. I was told I had a mannish stomach. I've never quite felt comfortable with my belly ever since then, but I wasn't terribly overwhelmed by it. I'll say it's gotten worse over the years, um, but at the time, I just stayed active and got comfortable enough with it to muddle through the rest of high school and college. Think about your early years. Write down what you recall about your body in middle school. Shoot, it can be elementary school too. High school, up to your early 20s. What would be your body story? Some of you are probably remembering your adolescence and your teen years with relief. Thank God I don't have to go back to that body. I've lost my baby fat. I've become who I am today. I'm not going back. Some of you might look back at your early years with shame or that feeling that of being the ugly duckling. You might feel great now because you've finally blossomed, but that younger you might remind you daily of who you used to be. And others of you wish you could go back to that body and that could eat anything you wanted whenever you wanted without any consequences. Now it's like one cupcake and boom, actual muffin top comes back. You're using math in ways you never thought you would, and now food isn't as fun. We all struggle at different times in our lives with our bodies, and we all struggle differently. I told you earlier that I didn't struggle terribly for most of my life, but I have in the past few years, big time. While I wouldn't have considered myself skinny most of my life, there was a time I was, actually two times. The first was when I was touring with New Kids on the Block and Backstreet Boys in 2011. I basically ate almonds for every meal because I was afraid to eat dairy or wheat and have the voice problems I had been experiencing. So I was trying to stave that off. But that's a whole other story for another day. The second time was post-divorce, just a few years back. Post-divorce, I lost my appetite at first. It was my reaction to something devastating, how my body sorted itself out. So I would consider that loss of appetite a jump-off point that just kept going. It was like a part of me died during that time, and my body just got smaller and smaller. At one point, I stopped having any wine at dinner for fear of having panic attacks and throwing up, which is also another episode for another day. So I didn't pack on any extra pounds from drinking. And to boot, I was getting my yoga teacher's license, which required at least 60 hours of yoga in a very short amount of time. I will be very honest with you. I was the saddest person I've ever been 
then. I didn't believe I had anything to offer the world. I didn't think I would ever feel like the old me, ever have confidence, ever meet anyone, ever be looked at again in a romantic way. The only thing I had going for me was that I was skinny. I fit into my clothes differently. My mannish belly had a little bit more femininity to it. My arms were ripped for the first time ever. And silly me, I got used to it. Fast forward when I met Marcus and moved to Aspen. Everything was great. Until my allergist took me off a shot I'd been getting for over six years. A shot that basically kept me alive, we now realize. My breathing went down the tubes. I had already been warned about moving to 8,000 feet, that it would do a number on my lungs and that it would take about six months to acclimate fully. And then this. I couldn't walk up the stairs without having an asthma attack. I couldn't walk home or bike home from work without paying for it once I got there. I couldn't take yoga classes. I couldn't teach yoga classes. I literally couldn't do anything without grabbing my inhaler. All the parts of living in the mountains, like hiking or skiing, couldn't do it. And then I wound up in the ER a few days before Christmas. And I had an asthma attack that made me feel like I was literally going to die right outside on the sidewalk. Turns out I'm allergic to insects, like Advil, Aleve, Naproxen. So that lesson was learned. But by Christmas of that year, I had been the least active I had ever been, and it showed. And then the coughing that came with all the asthma attacks... Yeah, it gave me a hernia in my belly button. The kind of hernia that usually comes up after a pregnancy or two. Only I had no baby to show for it. It changed my belly entirely, which, as you know, it already was something I struggled with. So I started that new year eerily aware that time was ticking and I had less than five months to get back to the Ashland that I wanted before Marcus's and my wedding. I still hadn't gotten all my shots yet, so I still couldn't exercise. That lack of exercise plus the oral steroids that made me bloat. Let's just say it was an uphill battle not only for my body, but for my soul. I cried all the time. Poor Marcus was probably like, uh, do I want to marry this girl? I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame him. But I had gotten used to that skinny version of myself, the one who worried about literally everything else but not her body. The thing was, it was impossible to get back to that version of my life no matter what I did. If I had been able to get active, yeah, maybe that would have helped. But... The part of me that died post-divorce had come back to life. I was able to eat and not fear getting sick to my stomach. I could drink wine at dinner. I had an appetite. I could go out to dinner. I was back in every way possible, and it should have been a good thing. 
And by the way, some of this stuff you might not know about, like my, my fear of going out to eat. I'll talk about that in um, another episode. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, we are told how to feel about our bodies. Other people weigh in, <laughs> weigh in <laughs> all the time. And whether or not we mean to, we usually listen. I was listening to the bride-to-be tape. I was listening to the fact that you had to look the best you've ever looked on the day you get married. By the way, this tape doesn't actually exist. It's just in all the photos you see, all the magazines, all the dress fittings you have, all the hoopla. All the money spent makes you feel like you have to look better than ever or else it was just another day. And a big fat waste of that money. I was also listening to the comparison tape. During those post-divorce years, I got told I was probably getting a little too thin by my family, but mostly I got compliments. All the people who didn't really know the old me, they told me how good I looked. They commented on my strong arms, my tiny belly, my thin legs that I'd always felt were like mini tanks. I ate it up. No one was complimenting me anymore in Aspen, especially at the yoga studio I worked at. They just didn't know that version of me. And I took it to heart. Marcus and I got married May 4th, 2019. So we just celebrated a year. And as one does, you look at photos on your anniversary or around your anniversary. But I went back to them with trepidation. See, I never made it to my best weight. I never made it to my ideal body mass index. I never looked like I wanted to look that day. But you know what? I looked beautiful in spite of that. I looked like a girl who was marrying the true love of her life. I looked like a girl who had been through a hell of a couple years and whose suitcase of a body showed the life lived and the growth from it. It was not what I envisioned, but it was me. And a year later, I am so thankful I couldn't jerry-rig my health and get back to a body size just for a couple of photos. Right now, I'm still struggling with my body. I got more on a roll after the wedding and the family stuff, and then I broke my ankle this past Christmas Day on our last ski run of that morning. Six weeks of no working out to start the year. I lost all my progress, and I gained back all my previous year's fears. And then I was finally able to get back to the gym and the pandemic hits. You can ask my husband. I've been really struggling emotionally, feeling like I'm getting older, and it's only getting harder to feel like myself again. I've had multiple meltdowns. Usually, it's when I've been working my butt off and don't feel like I see any progress. I've panicked. It has not been pretty or fun for anyone. And unfortunately, during a pandemic, that just means Marcus. God love him.
but I'm still working on it and I'm not quitting. And I'm trying to learn to love my body, my odd looking hernia, belly button, and everything else I scrutinize in the meantime. Because when I sit back and think about this time in all of our lives, I can't be the sum of how I feel about my body, can I? I have to be so much more. I, I have so much more. And so in some of the harder moments, I force myself to remind myself that, yeah, I might have liked what I saw back then, but I hated everything else in my life. I was so sad, so depressed, so anxious. And while my body doesn't give me much to celebrate at this moment, I am not sad, I am not depressed, and I am not anxious on that level anymore. On the whole, I am happy. I am loved. And how dare I let my body determine everything? How dare I become that person who tells me how to feel about my body? Don't I know what I went through? Don't I give myself time and grace? Don't I love myself anyway? We live in a solution-based world, a quick-fix mindset. But I can't offer you that today, or any day, and especially not when it comes to your body. What you struggle with will not go away with a diet or a workout regimen. I mean, yeah, you can gain so much self-confidence and physical health, and all that is wonderful. I say yes to all those things. But what is underneath all that? What happens when life kicks you in the pants and you can't maintain that version of yourself for a while? That's what I want you to work on the most. Because it'll keep coming back up every time life hits you. And it will hit you if you haven't noticed. I told you my story so you would know all my stuff right now. So you would know that behind the smiles on Instagram or Facebook, there's someone who has a whole other internal story she's trying to rewrite as we speak. Let's turn it to you. What about you? Do you have a past struggle? Maybe a food story? A time in your life you cling to as a body to get back to? Maybe you have a past you don't want anyone else to know about, about how you dealt with your weight and how you controlled it. And maybe it's happening right now. Here's the thing. We think we are controlling our bodies, but they are really just controlling us in the end. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live on a tightrope that I helped create. Life is hard enough. Being a suitcase is hard enough. I told you last week about the resources page on my website. If you're struggling with your body, there are resources for you on there. Please take a look and get help if you need. I'll put the link in the show notes, as well as my email address if you just want someone to listen. I didn't spend as much time today asking you to write, but I do want you to. When you have time, write down how you control, or try to, 
how you try to control your body, your food intake, your exercise regimen. Take inventory of how it's literally working, as in are you seeing results, and how it's taking a toll on you, how it's making you feel, how it's painting your entire day. And consider talking to someone about it. Not an official way, just someone you trust, or someone who's been there. You might realize that the story you're hearing and telling yourself, the story you're seeing play out in the mirror, that it's completely different than what someone else is seeing. And that you might need to make a few changes. And that's okay. Next week, we'll talk about patterns. Before I go, I want to thank my dad, Dan Huff, because he created the music for this podcast, and it's awesome. And I also want to remind you that I would love to see you join us for our mini course on getting unstuck, coming up on Zoom. For more information on the time, head on over to howtomoveonandbehappy.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're getting something out of this, and I know it will only get more interesting in our next step. Until then, I'm Ashlyn, and this is Your Living Autopsy. And remember, today is done, but tomorrow is up for grabs. You got this.